At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I'm your host, Jared Van Hees. It is early June, and we have a special guest on with us tonight. First off, my trusty co-host uh, wasn't so trusty tonight. He could not make it. Jesse uh, doesn't have internet yet. He's moving, um, getting set up in his new location, his new house, and and didn't have internet, and uh, that's okay. So he's working hard over there. I take this one solo. Um, the guest tonight is Lincoln Roan. He's a Michigan native, a friend of mine I've known for about a year now, and uh, excited to have him on. He, we're going to talk uh, cult packers. We're going to talk West Michigan deer hunting and habitat, which is a very pressured area, so I think a lot of you guys can relate. Um, we're also going to talk about kind of the Michigan deer hunting state of the union, um, kind of where our CWD is at, where our proposals for regulations are at, etc., uh, how people can help. Um, but in the meantime, I just wanted to touch base with you guys. We have a winner for the Muzzy Broadheads, that tie from Small Acre Hunting, our guest, uh, Helped us out with this giveaway. And that is none other than... That's my lame drum roll. Eric Zielinski. Eric, if you're listening, I need you to send me your address, and we will get those broadheads shipped to you. Thank you for sharing and following the directions for the giveaway. Um, we appreciate the help, and uh, thank you for listening, most importantly. 
And Ty, thank you for those broadheads. That was our very first giveaway. More to come, but uh, thank you for doing that. That was nice of you. So, Eric, go ahead and uh, get a hold of me. Shoot me your address, and we'll get those shipped out to you. Also, guys, I wanted to thank everybody for all the feedback we're getting. Um, getting some emails, some Facebook posts, even some forum responses, and it's all going great. We really appreciate the feedback. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for the topics you're suggesting, some of the questions, um, and then, then most importantly, the the reviews and ratings you guys are leaving on iTunes. We're um, five stars. We have multiple reviews. I urge everyone, if you have a minute, to go on there and give us your review. Um, subscribe, please. Apparently, in the podcasting world, that is most important. That and the, and the text review, something that you write down uh, there on the iTunes app, or I'm sorry, the podcast app for Apple. So please go ahead and do that, and what we're going to do to try to help promote that is do a giveaway to anybody who leaves a text review. Your name is on there, or your username if you will, and then we're going to pick one lucky winner out of all the reviews on there for a free decal. We just got these brand new Habitat podcast decals in. I'll be putting a picture of that on the Facebook page here soon. So everybody, really appreciate the likes, the shares, the reviews, and I'm just very grateful, very blessed to to know that you guys love this stuff and, and getting some good feedback out of it, getting some, learning some stuff. That's why we're doing this. So uh, without further ado, let's get Lincoln on the line, and we got some good stuff to talk about. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Lincoln, are you there? Yes, I am. All right, man. How are you tonight? Good to hear from you. Hey, you too, Jared. I'm doing well. I'm doing well, thanks. No problem. Just uh, sitting here watching the uh, the Outdoor Channel. Ah, okay. You still watch <laughs> uh, that channel pretty often? I know some people are getting turned off to that or go on the web more or whatever, but... Yeah, when I'm kicking back, I'll I'll flip it. I do a lot. I record I record the shows that that I like, like uh, you know, Huntmaster and and uh, Whitetail Freaks and all those. But and the juries, I always like watching the juries. But so, but I do watch I watch a fair amount on the on uh, the internet too. Yep, I'm the same way. Those jury brothers are something else, man. Yes, sir. Well, I met Lincoln. To everybody who's listening, I met Lincoln probably, oh, I don't know, a year or so ago. I bought your Lone Wolf Climber. You remember that? Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That thing's badass, dude. I uh, I didn't realize how versatile that is. I, I have, like, a bow holder hooked up to it. I have a bow rope yep. hooked up to it. I can pretty much do everything with it on my back, and it's it's just a solid stand. But uh, Yeah, it is. They're, they're very... Uh, they're very makes. I mean, it just makes you that much more uh, versatile and and, uh, and mobile for sure. Exactly, and I think it was pretty hot that day, so it had to be summer. Yep. Um, you gave me some let them grow shirts. So that was pretty awesome. Yep. So rocking those, as you can see. Um, <laughs> yep. I wanted to just start off on the podcast. I know you have some property uh, that you work on, and and it's in the family. But I wanted to know a little bit about yep. you. Um, how you got started into hunting, into habitat work, you know, paint the picture as I always like to say sure. for, uh, for all the listeners who might not know you. Yeah, sure. I, um, 
actually started uh, started hunting. Um, I was 12 years old, and uh, my father purchased uh, a piece of property in Nuevo County with his two brothers. Um, some I don't know, 1978, I believe. Um, and uh, my dad, we call him the Great White Hunter, <laughs> and uh, he. He, uh, I've taught him a lot more about hunting than he ever taught me, but, <laughs> but, uh, he sure, uh, he sure loves it. And he just, he just was, uh, kind of a, a novice and, 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 um, loved it, but just never really got so, you know, not, just didn't really get too, too, uh, fine tuned in, uh, in their approach. And, and, you know, I was born and raised in the time when, when you, you know, you shoot the first buck you see. Um, because you probably wouldn't see another one for the rest of the season. So, um, came through that era of, uh, you know, started out 12 years old. I think I shot my first, uh, my first buck when I was, uh, 17, I believe. And I shot a couple does prior to that. But, um, but I came through the era, era that, you know, uh, you, you shot the first buck that you saw and, uh, it was more about, um, you know, shooting your deer and being first back to the camp, and and uh, it wasn't, you know, we it was a, a baiting fest. We didn't do any any food plotting. We didn't do any habitat work back then. Um, it wasn't until um, I was, I don't know, in, in my mid twenties, um, you know, stone cold killer. I mean, we we killed deer like like no other, but. Uh, um, it wasn't until maybe even 30s, uh, my uncle, who was a conservation officer in the west end of the UP. Oh, really? Um, yeah, he, he, he's, uh, he's retired now, but uh, he was a CO for, for 25 years up there. And um, he really started challenging me. I started going up there to hunt. Um, every Basically, we, we did a 10-day ten ten hunt uh, every year, the first week in the, of November. I'd go up and... And uh, we'd start off, that was back in the heyday uh, in the UP. You know, we'd go up and we'd start out by whacking a couple of does when I got there. And we'd, you know, start doing sausage and jerky. And uh, then we started getting down to business. I killed some really nice bucks up there, but he started challenging me to start passing deer, which was a totally new uh, concept to me then. I had never passed a buck in my life. Why would I do that? <laughs> right. You know, uh, it didn't make any sense to me, and and uh, he he you know he worked me over, worked me over, worked me over, and, and finally, um, just basically out of you know I'll I'll show you that I can do this type of a stubborn thing. I I uh, passed up a really nice uh, eight point in the UP, it was the first first buck I'd ever passed. You know, so I think I was thirty some years old, and uh, um. It just got continually easier and easier, and I was like, "Man, this is something. This is there's actually something to this, and, and it makes your hunt that more much more enjoyable." And I was able to watch. I learned more hunting that way too, because you were able to watch the interactions, um, you know, of the bucks and the does, and um, you just learned a lot, and just by observing. And uh, so that kind of snowballed from there on the property. My dad. Uh, um, some some life changes happened with my my uncles and my dad ended up uh, purchasing you know the property fully from them. It's a uh, 160 acres in the northwest corner of Nuevo, and um, 
at that point, he basically said, you know, uh, do what you want with it, and, you know, we're going to uh, look to you for kind of guidance. So I started doing a lot of research, and, you know, and I had, to, and I had been passing up bucks then for a while and, and being, you know, quite successful at it. Um, on the property, one of the first bucks that we ever uh, passed started kind of a, Q, a QDM type of a situation. We passed up the spike horn that we called the black buck, and I saw him almost every day through the entire season. And um, he, um, or at least every hunt through the entire season, and um, he was very recognizable, and um, I ended up shooting him as a two-year-old next year uh, as a two-year-old eight-point. And you know, 100 inch eight, and you know, he's a spike horn the year before, and that really was eye opening to say, okay, you know, all we got to do is let these little guys go, and we're gonna, you know, not that 100 inch whitetail. Let's face it, a lot of guys in Michigan would be doing backflips for 100 inch whitetails, uh, and 10 4 there, buddy, for sure. You know, so, so, uh, you know, all we got to do is let these bucks go, you know, a year. And, you know, you could have some pretty respectable eight-pointers running around. And so we started we started working on the property, and I started looking into, you know, all kinds of different, uh, you know, the, the World Wide Web, baby, that is, you know, that has been a huge tool uh, for my, you know, for my learning habitat and food plotting and just the information that's available. And we're continually working and trying to do better and, you know, um, as far as even how we hunt and scent control and and all of that, but okay. Well, before but, we before we get into sure. that, um, mm-hmm. how big is this property in Northwest New Lego County? Um, it's a 160 acre piece. It's it's a oh, it's cool. 160. It's a half mile square, and uh, so it, it's it's a it's a diverse uh, property because we have um, it's I call it willow brush. Um, you know, about we got about thirty or forty acres of willow brush, and that's basically our sanctuary because you can't, you know, for all practical purposes, you can't hunt it. <laughs> and, um, and what is willow brush? Is I mean, is it actually like a willow? Yeah, it's like a it's like a willow, and there is some autumn olives and stuff in there, and 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 you have to you you will have to forgive me because I I I am not ultra versed on. Uh, different species and whatnot, <laughs> hey, but I'm learning. I'm definitely not, so this is perfect. <laughs> but uh, um, it, it, for, like I said, for lack of a better term, it's it's definitely some sort of a willow, but it's just it's thick as hair on a dog, and you can't. Oh wow! You know, it's maybe ten feet tall, and and you can't penetrate it. But the deer have like a network of trails through it. It's crazy. Okay, so would you compare that to like an autumn olive thicket? If you yeah, come, yeah, I would be say general. Okay, yeah, it's comparable. So, and is that um, like in the middle of your property? So you got it's like, actually in the it's in the uh, northwest side. Okay, nor- basically, so it's about a forty acre uh, oh, piece gotcha. in the northwest corner. So, um, the back. And the, and the balance of it is is a, is a blend of uh, basically there's only one ridge on the whole property, and that goes right down through right where I'm, I I hunt the only ridge right on the property, and I've got a food plot in the back. And um, but we have it set up. We have we have myself, my two sons, my dad, a buddy of mine, and a couple nephews that actually hunt the property. Um, sometimes not necessarily all at the same time, but we all have our designated spots. Yep. And so the way it's set up, we have to hunt 
you know, no matter what wind direction we get, you know, because that's our spot, you know. Yep. And so, um, you know, we are ultra careful on scent control. We're ultra careful on, you know, obviously we get a northwest wind is, is prevailing uh, by us. So, so most of our stands are set up for northwest wind, but, you know, we're running Ozonics and, you know, some people swear by them, some people swear at them, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I've sent, sent lock. I've got, I can't even tell you how much money I've got invested in scent lock and, um, I've gotten into the, into the ozone treatment. Um, you know, I've got an ozone closet and, you know, I've kind of taken that to a, to a whole new level. <laughs> of, no, it sounds of, like uh, you're, uh, sanity. yeah, no, so, it sounds like you're a lot like me. Um, and for a lot of the listeners who hunt Michigan, or some of the other states where I find a lot of our listeners are like PA or New York. Yep. I mean, we have some pressured deer. And oh, gosh. If we yeah. have a mature buck wind us, he is gone. He is nocturnal most likely, or he doesn't come back. Um, right. That's just you know pretty general statement, but it's very high pressure. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm the same way. I swear by the scent lock. Um, yep. I run the Ozonics. I throw the Ozonics in my scent tote on the way out yep. to the property and run that. I mean, the yep. whole gamut, you know. Yep, same here. And uh, it's it's become you know it's become uh, like you said if, if 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 the bucks that we hunt, um, you know we're trying to get our our deer to to three and a half, you know, uh, before we shoot them. And right. um, you know we're getting some four year olds on the landscape now, and and uh, but. By and large, in, in Nuevo County, I mean, it, it's 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 an act of Congress getting a deer to three years old. So, <laughs> um, you know, so you don't want to. We, we really try to be, you know, with low impact, you know, um, entrance exit. Where you know we have mowed trails going to every single stand on the property, so that you're, you know, you're not brushing up against, you know, twigs and, and grass and everything. And, and, uh, now, do you find so, that the deer walk down the mowed trail because it's easier, or do you find that they ignore it? They, it, it, it's six one way, half dozen an hour. They okay. do use them without question. Um, but our property, you know, like I said, we've owned it for 40, uh, 35 years. Wow. <laughs> and so we and we have food plots established. We have 11 food plots on the property now. And so there's a network of trails that the deer use that have been there for, you know, for decades. <clears throat> so, um, but yeah, they do use the mode trails, but I would say more so they use the, the, the established deer trails that, you know, runways. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Yeah. The, I, the reason I ask, I, uh, I hadn't mowed any trails and unless they were an access trail, um, mm-hmm. prior to this weekend. And now I'm, I'm out there and I'm, I'm mowing, and I'm like, man, a deer's going to walk right down this thing. It's it's easier to walk down. The, the grass yeah. next to it was five foot tall. Why is he going to try to walk through all that? So then I started mowing trails. I'd go by my stand, et cetera. Yeah. Before you know it, I'd freaking mowed down a lot of my cover. Gee, what am I doing? You know, I just, <laughs> Hopefully it'll be all right. I left, obviously, most of it, but I just yeah. I wondered if they're going to walk down my access trail not, um, or not, or not, but... Uh, Right. I have a feeling, like you said, they they will, and they may, or or they won't. So, yeah, I would say, you know, like I said, they do use them without question. But, okay. um, 
and and so we've gone to uh, you know a, a lot of we had the the, the property timbered um, slot cut about uh, twelve years ago, oh. and um, that has really helped. Um, we we have had a lot of um, uh, maple and. Uh, it's mostly it's mostly jack pine and red pine. We've had a lot of maple come back too, and uh, um, poplar. And so I started I start hinge cutting the maple really hardcore. Just start going to it, and um, it is crazy what that does. Um, it, you get a lot of, of horizontal uh, cover. Plus, they don't when you hinge cut them correctly, they don't die. And then you start getting offshoots, and then the the where you've cut them, I get a lot of sh- uh, shoots, and it always becomes like a bush. And so, in areas where we've hinge cut, where you used to be able to see 150 yards, you can't see 50 yards now. That sounds uh, good to me. I mean, it's really helped. And <clears throat> I know people; a lot of people will say I'm absolutely out of my mind. But uh, last weekend, uh, maybe it's two weeks ago now. I went through, and I had a bunch of scrub, what I call scrub, um, black, black, um, black oak, and I hinge cut a bunch of it. And I'm telling you, that really made a difference. Um, those those oak trees, they hold their leaves, you know, forever. Yep. And so I'm really looking forward to see how those do this fall. Um, and, and when you, know, you say scrub, how big are they, and why do people think you're crazy? Well, because they do they do generate uh, you know acorns, black black acorns, and which is probably the least desirable of all, all the oaks. But they're still like, why would you kill an oak tree, you know, that's going to be producing acorns? And I'm like, well, they number one, they're not a <clears throat> a big producer because they, you know, they've been choked out by other trees. They're you know they're just I, they're literally they're like a scrub. They're you know they're um, this is not a highly desirable oak tree. Gotcha, gotcha. So, and and to me, the 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 benefit of having them hinge cut versus the little bit of you know, and opening up the forest floor, um, you know, produce other forbs for them, uh, outweighs the you know the the every couple of years might get a decent you know crop of oak tree or acorns off of them. Yep, I think you. I so, think that's a good move. Um, one of our other guests, Ty Miller, he. Uh, he said uh, he he deals with the same thing. He'll hinge cut some oaks, and people, you know, yep. what the heck you doing? And the, the the benefit outweighs the the con, if you will. Yep. On that, so. Yep. Okay, so you have forty or fifty acres of uh, a willow type brush. You have um, a bunch of uh, a select cut forest with a bunch of pine and maple regen coming up, regeneration. Yep. Yep. That sounds pretty good. Uh, we've got some. We've got some virgin red pine too. Um, <clears throat> we had um, we had about 800 virgin uh, red pine taken off the property about 20 years ago, and um, we're due. We 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 obviously made some some pretty good money on that too, um, and that was uh, able. To, we were able to put that towards the you know towards the property. Um, you know, to help pay that off. So, so that's a, that was a pretty big deal. And, and what and, is that uh, exactly? I understand what a red pine is, but what is the virgin part of it's, it? Mean? It's just why is it? They're they're just they're virgin. I mean, they're just virgin red pine. They're not like a state planted red pine. 
Oh, okay. They're just a wild growing red pine, and and for some reason, and I don't know for log cabin value, the Maple Island log cabin actually are the one that came in and, and harvested those, and they they oh. were super excited about getting virgin red pine. So okay, cool. But so now that's also regenerated, and we're we're starting to to kick around bringing them back in again. You know, maybe a year or two, harvesting some more red pine. We could probably get about another four hundred, I think. Oh wow! So, so yeah, so it's it's been it's been cool, and it's been fun. You know, since since my dad purchased the property, and and you know that allowed me to do a lot of different things. We had uh, um, when we had the property select cut. We had uh, a guy come in the following year. We dug about an acre pond, um, and uh, and that's that number one. It's 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 awesome, you know, for the deer. But number two, it's been an absolute blast raising fish. <laughs> really? Oh my gosh! We I was just up there this weekend, and we we walk around the edge of the pond. We catch frogs, and if you. you you, the bass follow us around the edge of the pond, and you throw the frog in the pond, and the thing doesn't even hit the water, and the bass got it. No way. It's crazy. And there's, you know, we've got hundreds of bluegills, and and uh, we pull some big, you know, some big bluegills out of there and, and, and uh, fillet them up from time to time, and we feed them, you know, protein pellets. and So that's pretty cool. So we've had, you know, a pond dog. We've got several watering holes that we've dug. Um, eleven food plots, and we we really plots. Took, wow. Yeah, yeah. One of them, the, our biggest plot is is well, we've got two plots up front. Uh, one is three and a half acres. The other one is about an acre and a half. Um, and then Pretty the rest size. of them. Yeah, and, well, I just planted about two and a half acres of beans uh, Saturday on the front plot, and then the other pond plot, I call it. Um, I've got about an acre and a half of clover. Um. And that, and the other, the other, the other hunting plots, um, we do mostly in they're they're about a half of an acre each, roughly, and uh, we do mostly cereal grains and those, and then top seed with red clover, and then uh, some brassicas and whatnot in the fall. But uh, that following spring, um, those clovers are kicked in, and so we've got clover plots all over the property all summer. So. Um, Very nice. Really, really has worked well for us. So, um, put a lot of groceries out, and um, you know it definitely pays off. So, okay. Um, now, speaking of paying off, what mm-hmm. type of uh, bucks are you guys seeing up there, and what have you guys been able to harvest with all this hard work? Well, we have. We have it's it's kind of interesting to look at our our wall because we we you know all the bucks that we've harvested. The little guys, we, we we kept a we kept a few of them, and we put them up above one of the doors in the cabin as a as a reminder of where we were. And actually, I've got over I've got I believe oh man, I got to have sixty bucks that I've killed in my bedroom at the cabin that I I I used to have them in a box, and I you know I thought that those deer deserve you know to be to be shown just as much as any of the bigger ones that I've killed because that's where we're used to you know that's where we used to be couldn't agree more you know so um but now you know we used to shoot year and a half old bucks after, you know that's what we shot occasionally we'd kill a couple you know a 2 year old or 3 year old but um now we're targeting you know mostly 3 year olds um my sons and and they're they're uh 21 Oh gosh, I can't try. I got four kids, so my sons are twenty-one or twenty-two. No, 
22 and 23, and um, they have kind of picked up their game a little bit too, and they were targeting two-year-olds, and um, my son was hunting a, uh, we had two bucks that were 130 to 140 inches um, hitting his food plot was pretty regularity during the daylight hours. It was just a matter of getting in there and get you know being there when they were there. So he did a couple of midweek hunts and uh, he came to full draw on one of them and actually ended up uh, coming you know letting back down because it was uh, he just did not feel comfortable with the with the with the shot and you know I'm pretty proud of him for that that he had a you know hundred and uh, at least 130 inch eight point standing, you know, at 15 yards that he let down on. So, wow. Um, you know, so that's the kind of bucks we're targeting now. And um, my dad shot the biggest buck of his life. We call that buck two, uh, B52. We we passed him up as a as a two year old uh, eight point. We got a shed. Um, he <laughs> we've got pictures of him all summer in the bean field behind the cabin, and. Uh, it was almost every day we were getting pictures and seeing him, and uh, my dad ended up shooting him, um, I believe, towards the latter part of October, and that was the biggest, his biggest buck to date at 74 years old. It was a 129-inch uh, eight-point. Um, would have uh, would have been – actually, it's a 126-inch eight-point. It would have been 130 had uh had the g2 matched on the other side but the one side was weak um so yeah i've killed um 120 inch three-year-old opening day last year we've got uh you know several bucks in the 120s uh my biggest on the property was 130 inch nine point a buck i call shocker and um We've been, like I said, last year we had the buck we called uh, Showtime and the buck we called Hook. Uh, both those bucks were, you know, were mid-130s to 140. Wow. You know, great, great buck. And we were getting, you know, I mean, it was just a matter of bumping into them. And we just, you know, like I said, Justin came to full draw on one of them. And then he saw, my dad actually saw them together opening day last year, passed up a 40-yard shot because he thought they were going to come right into his food plot. And instead, they took a right, and you know, like the big ones often do. Oh yeah! And, wow, you uh, guys are living so. the dream out there, man. You got the family property, the cabin, some great deer walking around, and for that yeah. area of the state, no doubt. Oh yeah! I mean, yeah. no, I, you know, that's awesome. That's not, yeah, it is. It it is. It's it is good, and you know, we've got we've got good hunting, and um, but you know, I don't want to under, I don't want to make. We put a lot of time and effort and money into the property, and uh, we lose a lot of yearling bucks around on the state land. So it's it's tough. Yeah, and it's no, tough. that's true. I, uh, you know, it could be it could be it could be far better, but you know, we we do okay. You know, well, we'll we'll get to that far better point here, yeah, uh, right? Later on in the conversation, I yep. I grew up hunting in Fremont. Um, and yep. Hesperia, so yep. just off of you a little ways. Um, yep. I understand the amount of pressure, the yearling bucks. I oh, yeah. used to kill myself. I mean, I was. Yep. I understand. So for that for that area, your hard work. You obviously you guys had to yeah. obviously put in hard work to. Oh, yeah. Get those type of bucks. Uh, yeah. In that area. Well, and it, you know, and it it does take some cooperation. 
um, from our neighbors. I mean, you know, the guys behind us, uh, they, they, you know, I don't know. We don't talk to them very often, if, if at all. Um, but I see the same bucks coming and going from their property, uh, you know, time and time again. So I know, you, you know, know they are, them, yep. yeah, they're doing some sort of, you know, some sort of QDM. I don't know what their, what their men's are or anything, but, you know, so that helps without question. And, uh, but like I said, the state land that, that, uh, you know, is close to us, it's, we, we lose a lot of bucks out there, but, you know, and the other thing is those young deer, they wise up really quick and they figure out where they're getting shot at and where they're not. And I can't tell you. So in December last year, I had seven bucks on my food plot in December in New Ego County and three of them were wounded. <laughs> in daylight or night? Or both? In daylight. In broad daylight. No way. Yeah. So well, first of all, that one thing, <laughs> one thing that's weird there is the, after rifle season, seeing any buck in the daylight. Oh, okay. we never used to. Never, yeah, so ever. That's step one. Step two, yep. half of them are wounded. Well, that yeah, that sucks. Yep. That sucks. Yep. But, I mean, they were flesh wounds. I mean, I I, I, I had no question that they were going to make it, you know, through the winter. Yep. But, but they had holes poked in them, so somebody was, you know, somebody was shooting at them. And <laughs> as a matter of fact, I don't know if you saw that doe video that I posted late late season last year with my with my bow kill. That's one that you shot, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, as a matter of fact, there was three bucks. There was three bucks in there when I shot that doe. Oh wow! <laughs> so, but well, at least they're coming to your property for safe harbor. That's right. that's kudos yeah. right there. I mean, you know your stuff's working then. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's so. awesome, man. That's that's a great picture painted. Um, I I want to go see this property sometime. It just sounds like what a deer camp is all about. That's awesome. It is. It is. We had uh, so um, Justin Olk from uh, Dream Point, the uh, Dream Point Outdoors. Yeah. He's got that show, The Game of Inches, on the Sportsman Channel, and I've gotten to know him pretty well. Um, uh, in the last, you know, probably six, eight months. As a matter of fact, it turns out his daughter is best friends with my granddaughter. And, oh, wow. uh, yeah, had no idea. And, uh, so, uh, he came up and, uh, he, I gave him a tour and he's like, dude, this property is just flat out set up to hunt deer. <laughs> yep. This is, this is incredible for, you know, and again, for the area, you know, New Angle County is the heaviest, well, if not as the heaviest, it's probably top two. Uh, heaviest hunted county in the state, and um, so to do what we're doing, you know, it's it's definitely working. So, well, keep it up, buddy. Keep it yeah. up. Let's uh, let's move on to one of the sure. main reasons I wanted to get you on. Yep. I want to know for myself and for the listeners about Packer Max. Packer uh, Max, yeah. Yep, that is a. Uh, a company that you are the owner of, and yep. I want to talk Packers. So I have, a, I have some questions, cool. but if you want to go ahead and maybe tell us how you got into that, sure. um, maybe the basics of what a cult of Packer is, what it does, and go from there. Yeah, so um, I had an opportunity, I guess I'll start by saying about five years ago when we, we had been looking for uh, a different alternative as far as um, – you know, like planting turnips, we were, we were big time into planting turnips and you need to have your soil, you know, your, your, your seed bed needs to be prepared. 
properly in order to get, you know, uh, good germination. So we bought a lawn roller, and we started out using that. And it worked okay, but we just weren't happy with the results we were getting. So um, we ended up – I found this company um, called Packer Max, and uh, we, we purchased a, a, a culti packer from him, and – uh, started using that on our food plots, and it's uh, it, it it has become one of the most priceless pieces of equipment we've ever purchased. I mean, that's right up there with our tractor. So, um, so anyway, we started using the Packer Max, and uh, it it just literally brought our brought our food plot uh, system to the next level i mean all of a sudden you know we were getting we were we were getting you know we were making good food plots we you know we were getting our soils amended properly doing soil tests and uh you name it but we just there was something missing and it was you know ultimately it ended up being the the, the culti packer and almost every bag of seed that you'll see you know the, they'll recommend a culti packer and so we purchased it, we used it, and absolutely loved it. Um, I got to know the owner of the company pretty well. He donated a, have a, a, a hunting page uh, mission, which we'll probably talk about at some point. But um, And he messaged me one day and said, hey, um, you know, I'd like to post my business for sale on your page. What do you think? And I said, well, you know, well, 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 let's talk about this before you know before we do that. <laughs> and uh, so uh, this was this was uh, earlier this year, and so I ended up uh, buying the business from him. And, wow! Um, it's been a great opportunity, and it's a product. It's it's so cool to be able to uh, own a company of product that you believe in and that you've used and that you know works. Um, and it's a it's a quality piece of equipment, and um, it's just neat to be able to, to be able to bring that to people. And you know, the people that I sell to, uh, I get great feedback. Um, yeah. You know, they're just excited to start because a lot of people are in the same boat. You know, we don't have you know thousands of dollars to go out and buy grain drills and right. you know and and two row planters and everything else. So you can you can accomplish a lot with you know with some basic equipment. And you know, and a culti packer. Okay, um, so before when you when you didn't have a culti packer, and then you bought a Packer Max, mm-hmm. what what was the specific difference? What did your what did your um, seedlings maybe look like? Were they like spindly and weak, or or, or what is the, what well, happened? We were when you don't we were having a firm a, seed bed, I guess. That's what I'm. We were having about. a real hard time with uh, with. Soil controlling soil moisture. Okay. And if you don't, if you don't, you, you know, if you don't pack your soil, you, you, I mean, it's, 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 it's basically just a fluffy soil, and you just, your, your moisture just evaporates. Gotcha. And so, what the Packer Max does is not only does it compact the soil, so you, you, you seed, and then you get a, you get a really good seed to soil contact. Plus, you get the you get the grooves uh, in the soil, and so it does two things. It channels the it channels the moisture to the bottom of that groove where a lot of your seed is, so you get really good seed germination. Plus, it keeps your it keeps you know your your seed from washing, and in, in because you've got these channels, so it keeps it from washing away, and it compacts the soil 
to retain that moisture. And so our, our germination rate has really gone through the roof. And um, awesome. our plots, yeah, it, it, our plots established really quickly now. Okay. Um, where they didn't before, you had to have, like, if we get, okay, so was it, was it 2012 we had one of the worst droughts sure was. in the history? I think that's when we so, had the uh, EHG hit, too. Yep, it was. It was. And we had one of the best turnip plots I've ever seen that year. And we, 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 that was one of the first years we used the Packer Max, and we, we rolled the field, you know, we planted it. And we got a really good solid rain, and the seed germinated, and everything was going good. Well, it didn't rain for 45 days after that. And we right, and so without having that moisture retention and having, you know, all that soil moisture channeled to the you know to the bottom of those channels left in the soil, I, I mean, we would have it would probably would have been a complete failure, and. Um, instead, we had enough moisture in the soil. The roots tapped deeper than they normally would because they had an opportunity to germinate and grow. And then when we did get a finally got a rain, I mean, that stuff, it just it just took off like you can't even believe. And um, it was one of the best food plots we've ever, we've ever done uh, as far as turnips go. So um, without the Packer Max, you know, we probably would have had a complete loss. So Well, that's funny you say that. I never... I never knew about the um, the way it helps with with the moisture. I understood mm-hmm. it, it packs the loose, fluffy dirt down when you get done rototilling. You got this loose, fluffy yep. dirt. Mm-hmm. It packs that down nice and firm. So then, when you throw your your small seeds or your large seeds on top of it, you can either pack it again or um, yep. And, and they're just in. They're nice. It's like if you duck a hole and put a seed in. Pack it down with your hands, like you're giving it seed to soil contact. But yep. the, the moisture part of it, I never knew about that. And last year, yep. um, I used the Calta Packer for for the first time, and everybody around me, we had a pretty good drought last summer down by us yep. in, in Jackson, yep. and uh, my plots were, I mean, it looks like I paid somebody to do them, and I don't know what yep. the heck I'm doing. So it. Yep. I, I swear that called the back here, and years before we would just drive over with our quad tires, and that would yep. work decently, but it didn't make the grooves. Um, yep. It, yeah, what, it just what makes a, difference. a huge difference. I yeah, it, it. it is. It's marked. It's a marked difference, and um, you know the 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 cool part about the Packer Max is uh, it's a there's a couple of things. Is number one versus a cast iron Packer, um, it's way more portable because you can fill it with water. Uh, it's got a cross-link polyethylene drum, and uh, you can fill it with water, um, or you can fill it with sand uh, if it doesn't need to be as portable. But when you fill it with water, I mean, you drain it, and it's 48 pounds for the standard unit, Are like 100 pounds. Me? Yeah, right. I mean, I I can pick it up. I'll, I'll pick it up and throw it over my shoulder and start walking people's cars with it. No or, you know, way. Truck and load it, and they're like, "Holy crap! I thought I was gonna have to help you." I'm like, "No, they're they're light." Oh and, man, uh, that's that's impressive. The heavy-duty unit's a little heavier. It's about 100 pounds, so 93, I think it's exact. But, uh, you know, so, you know, you got to – it's a little bit heavier, but it's still super portable. And, um, um, th- I mean, like I said, we've had ours for – it might be seven years now. That's, that's I know we've had nice. it for a while, and it's still I, – I used it this weekend. I planted I planted soybeans this weekend. I tilled, uh, tilled the soil. 
uh, you know, fertilize it, tilled it, um, broadcast my beans, and then we pack it and leave it. And, okay. you know, we did this, we did a bean field last year, too, the same way, and it was as if we did it with a two-row planter. I mean, it was really? awesome. Yeah, so. Now, are you seeding really a higher rate when you're broadcasting beans versus the planter? Are you throwing um, more out or no? You, yeah. I probably a little bit, like two and a half acres. We did um, basically it's about a bag an acre, is what they what what they had said. I got the the seed through the habitat program, and uh, it's Roundup Ready for through QDM. Oh, okay. Um, the tip of the mitt uh, got me this 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 year. I think you can get it in other branches too, but um, okay. so. Um, yeah, the tip of the QDMA branch. So I bought this stuff through the through this habitat program. It's Roundup Ready beans. Um, I think it called for a bag, basically a bag an acre. We did two and a half acres, and I used three bags. So probably a little bit heavier, you know. But yeah, and I did the same thing last year. That's, that's no, perfect. you know, yeah, a little bit. But um, but the germination, you know, I mean, with the germination rate we get with the, with the you know using the the culti packer it's it's you know you don't really have to go too wild with it so so that's where the the another main difference is is you find that you get a much better germination rate if you use a oh, culti packer yeah. yeah definitely and in the in the fall when we're when we're seeding grains um, you know rye and oats and wheat we do the same thing we we broadcast on fluffy soil and we pack it and then we go back over it with, um, you know, our clovers uh, in our in our uh, top seed with some light, you know, lightly top seed with brassicas, and then, you know, and then we just leave it. And and it just works fantastic. And what type so, of grains would you use in that instance? Um, rye, you know, cereal rye, not yeah. ryegrass, yeah. cereal rye, and then wheat and oats. Oh man, that's uh, so, sounds like my kind of food plot right there. Yeah, it really works well. I'm sorry, my dog's gonna go nuts here in a minute. My wife just got home. Oh, you're good. So, um, it really works well. I mean, it's a piece of equipment that is almost like I said, it's almost become irreplaceable as far as I, I can't imagine planting a plot without it. So you can you can see them online. You can jump on you know, you know packermax.com two 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 X's. Uh, in, in Max, and um, you know, take a look at them. They're in, you know, they're specifically tailored for food plot applications. Um, you know, we got a four foot model, an eight foot model, and uh, two different three point versions, a four and an eight. So beautiful. But um, oh. I would say the, the biggest seller is probably the four foot, you know, pull behind your quad type of, type of a piece of equipment. Oh yeah. Um, you know, it's just it's it's just very versatile. So. Now, what is the advantage of a cultipacker versus just dragging a piece of chain link fence behind your your quad or or what have you? Um, I would well, feel you, like the the compact soil, the, the chain link fence isn't going to compact anything, right? No, no, you you can do a you know, and there's two schools of thought here. Okay, a lot of uh, a lot of guys. Uh, as a matter of fact, I just watched a video the other day uh, of a guy. Uh, he he planted his beans on tilled soil, and then he dragged it, and then he packed it. Um, so you can do it that way. Deeper. 
Yeah, and but with the seriously, all you need to do is get good seed to cell contact, and you're in your golden. Okay. Um, you know, so it's but if you just you know drag it, it's you just you just don't get the you don't get the uh, the moisture retention like you do using a culti packer. Oh, okay. So. And I know we did it a little bit different last year. We did um, the brassicas. We just uh, spread out and then cultipacked in, I believe, the oats and peas that I planted. I believe we uh, cultipacked, which might have been a waste of time first. Then we threw down the seed. Then we dissed them in a little bit deeper and cultipacked again to see. I was just mm-hmm. thinking if it would do any better because right. they were supposed to be buried a little bit deeper. Yep. Ended up ended up working out pretty good, so I don't know if that was overkill or if we needed to or not. But um, I think a packer packing it down right. uh, was probably the main thing there. Yeah, that's definitely the main thing. Is and as long as you, you know, just from just from past experience too, you, as long as you get that 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 you know that seed to soil contact, you get that seed pressed down into the soil. Um, you know, that's all you need, and you don't necessarily need to, you know, to cover it. So. Okay, um, how affordable are these Packer Maxes? The standard model, um, and it actually has a tubular frame, um, is four ninety nine, and the heavy duty model with the uh, heavy duty frame is five ninety nine, and then the eight foot model uh, pull behind is uh, fourteen ninety nine. Okay, and um, I'll, that's that includes shipping. Um, it's the cool part. You, oh, wow. when, when, yeah, if you pick it up, I can save you about seventy-five bucks if I got to ship it, um, and it, then then that includes shipping. But I still have to. You, you, there is some assembly required on your part when I ship them, because okay. I can, I can't ship them assembled. So, but for instance, the standard model will probably take you about fifteen minutes to put together. The heavy duty model will probably take you about twenty-five minutes. Gotcha. Well, I'd rather come. Meet you in BS, anyways. So, <laughs> right on. Yeah, no, I know a lot of guys have done that. So, oh, I'm sure that's. Uh, I mean, that's pretty reasonable when when you're talking about uh, one of the major pieces of equipment one, oh, yeah. one might need. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Especially when you can start comparing it to a, you know a cast iron model, you're going to end up paying eight nine hundred bucks, you know, a thousand bucks just for a four footer. Oh wow! And they're you know, and they're not they're not nearly as versatile. Um. And they just the 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 Packer Max leaves a little bit more aggressive uh, grooves in the soil too, and and again you can see if you go to Facebook uh, Packer Max on Facebook, uh, I just posted a video today of of uh, rolling the beans that we planted this weekend, and you can see the aggressive um, the aggressive uh, grooves in the soil, and you know the the. I'm telling you that it, it just helps so much with moisture retention. It's crazy. Awesome. So. Awesome. Well, anything else you want to cover on uh, cultivators? I feel like I just had another question, but I forgot it. I, you know, I think we covered uh, covered everything. I mean, it's uh, you know, like I said, when you when you when you start looking at the the advantages and of, of of using a packer, uh, you know, it's money well spent, and it's like I said, it, it's it's I believe in them. I know they work. Um, I've used them for years, and uh, um, they will last. You know, that's the other thing too is it's a piece of equipment that you're gonna you're gonna purchase, and um, 
it's going to last you. I, I mean, ours is, like I said, I think it's seven years old, and I just was looking at the the, uh, the bushings and whatnot uh, this weekend, and they're they're like they're perfectly they're perfect yet. There's no no wear on them yet at all, and you can imagine doing eleven plots every year. You know, a couple of which are, are several acres. We put a lot of miles in that thing. So. Oh my gosh, totally. Yeah. Yep. So. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. Um, how's business going since you took over Packer Max? Um, not bad. Um, we we this this the spring has not helped. I will say. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, for obvious reasons, guys. You know, I mean, the food plotting. I mean, I just planted my beans last weekend. Um, you know, a lot of guys are are foregoing even spring plots because they couldn't get them in at time, and now all of a sudden temperatures are soar into the 80s and 90s. Oh my and, gosh! Yeah. You know, who yeah. who wants to go out and you know, till up a bunch of soil and stuff when it's 90 degrees. So, but I think it, you know we're doing good, and um, I, I have uh, some pretty exciting news that I'll, I'll go ahead and share with you. Um, I've been Ooh. approached by Mossy Oak Biologic in the Gamekeeper. Um, Bobby Cole himself called me. No way, Bobby Cole. <laughs> yep. Really. And so, yep. So we're gonna have a a Mossy Oak. Um, Gamekeeper edition uh, Packer Max, and uh, um, they're going to do you know a lot of the a lot of the um, the um, marketing, and uh, I'm pretty excited about it. So it's a pretty big deal. <laughs> oh, Lincoln, that's huge, man! Congrats. So, yeah, thank you. So, um, yeah, so that's that's going to be that's going to be a big deal, and I think that's really going to uh, you know it's funny because you know Biologic, he's like you know we 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 literally recommend a culti packer on almost every bag of seed we sell, but we don't offer a culti packer. Ah, okay. <laughs> so I'm like, well, this is a perfect marriage then because, yeah, the, ding, ding, ding. you know, right. It's, you know, and these things are, you know, they're tailored for food plotting. So, wow. um, so yeah, it's pretty exciting. So, well, you're the guy who you bought the business from is going to be like, dang it. As soon as, uh, <laughs> here's that. Well, news. It's kind of like a Shark Tank setup, so he'll do fine. Okay, I gotcha. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so there's not going to be any love loss there. <laughs> oh, good for you, man. That, that's I, I'm glad you got some good news this week, uh, yeah. considering what we'll go into next. Um, yeah, right on. Well, that's all I got for for uh, Cult of Packers. Um, that's the main reason I wanted to get you on here, just to talk about your new business. Um, yeah. What a cult factor so is, and and why people should have one. That's that was perfect. Yeah, check them out. They're uh, like I said, it's packermax.com, and uh, you can uh, also find them on Facebook, and uh, you know, pretty regularly post on Facebook on the Packermax site. So check them out. They're a great piece of equipment. You won't be sorry. Awesome. And for all the listeners out there, the next subject we're going into is is uh, the group that Lincoln is the uh, president of, if you will, the founder mm-hmm. of on Facebook. It's, it's more of a movement here in Michigan and also Michigan deer hunting regulations. So if you want to keep up on Michigan's regulations, go ahead and listen. If not, uh, yeah, then I guess I know. <laughs> but, uh, all right, so next I want to cover what is let them go, let them grow. And I saw your video online, but I wanted to figure out what the um, – the update with the regulations for the CWD sure. antler point restrictions, which we refer to as APRs. 
Yep. Uh, etc. Let's let's jump into that and uh, feel free to vent, brother. Sure. So, um, so basically, Michigan Deer Hunters, let them go and let them grow, uh, is a is a uh, a group that I started um, roughly seven years ago, six years ago, and um, the main purpose of of this group was at the time to uh, gain support for antler point restrictions in Michigan. Um, that was when about when the Northwest 12 guys were were starting, you know, their their run, and I just wanted to to go big, and you know, I, I felt like if it's good for these 12 counties, why can't it be good for the whole state? And uh, we've got the Holy Grail that we call it up in the Northwest 12, and I've been fighting. Uh, actually, a group of us have been fighting uh, very hard. Uh, since to try to get antler point restrictions implemented uh, in the balance of the state of Michigan. Okay, so pause real quick. The Northwest mm-hmm. 12, can you define that for us? Yes, there's 12, 12 counties in the northwest part of Michigan uh, that went through the process and they uh, were able to get antler point restrictions implemented. Uh, their restriction is Michigan has a combination license. You're able to shoot two bucks. And so both of the licenses are restricted. The first tag is good for a three-point on the side or better, and the second tag is for a four-point four on the side or better. And um, the regular combination tag in the rest of the state, you can shoot any buck you want for your first tag, and then your second tag is restricted to a four-point on the side. So what we have what we have been trying to get implemented is a zone specific APR, uh, whereas zone northern part of Michigan would have a three point on the side restriction for your first tag, four point on the side restriction for your second tag, and then what is referred to as zone three, the southern part of Michigan would be a four on the side for both tags, and then the UP uh, is kind of a whole different animal and. Uh, lobbying for a two-point on a side APR in the UP. Uh, that's how this kind of all started anyway. And the reason for trying to implement an APR is? To protect the yearling bucks. Okay. And that is that is the key component um, in, in when you take, when you, when you, protect yearling bucks and you move a certain amount of those yearlings, let's say uh, per our check station data, approximately 70% with a three-point on the side in, in, in the zone two and a four-point on the zone side in the zone three, you'd protect approximately 70% of the yearling cohort. So you take 70% of the yearling bucks and move them to H2 where they're available for harvest 90% of the time. So in turn, by doing that, a certain number of those bucks are going to make it to three years old and a certain number are going to make it to four, year old, four years old. So it is, all it does is speed up the process um, that basically every hunter goes through. Um, let's all face it. We all started shooting smaller bucks. And, you know, as you progress as a hunter, you start, you know, upping your standards. So basically all an APR does is it, it speeds that process up. And it it makes for a more diverse herd structure. Um, it 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 makes for better. I mean, just better all around hunting. Um, it also another thing that it helps to do is it does 
uh, help to uh, encourage antlerless harvest, which is severely needed in this state. Um, we are one of the only states in the country that shoots more bucks than we do does. And that is not wow. a good thing. <laughs> wow. And, and there's, I don't, I, going back 10 years, I don't believe there's been any year in the last 10 years that we've shot more does than bucks. Uh, it might even go back further than that. I mean, we're talking considerably more bucks than does. Right. So, um, and as part of part of the reason we are in the predicament we're in, in my opinion, um, and that's all that is is an opinion, but we have very high deer densities uh, in 90% of the state in the southern lower peninsula. Um, and um, we have basically, uh, obviously, we have CWD on the landscape now. Yep. So... In this process, we've gone through, we've lobbied the DNR uh, over and over and over. We have worked with them. We have gone through, I, I sat on the board or on the uh, committee, it's called the R3 committee, uh, re the, the retention, reactivation, and recruitment of hunters. And basically we were challenged with coming up with, with ideas to uh, do just that, recruit new hunters, retain current hunters, and reactivate hunters that have left the sport. And through working with them, we asked them flat out, if this, you know, we do all of this, and this, this, this survey comes back that, you know, APRs are definitely uh, not a silver bullet, but, um, you know, well-received, you know, are you guys willing to make the tough decisions to, to implement APRs? And they came back with a resounding yes. You know, we're willing to make the hard decisions where nothing has brought, nothing is off the table. So we go through this whole process, and indeed, the report comes back that APRs were widely received by the general public, by the general hunting population, and they were heavily received by younger hunters. And basically, in all practical purposes, not one single thing came out of that report that the department spent over $160,000 on, plus oh. hundreds of hours of volunteer time wow. and hundreds of hours of department time. So not one thing was done, nothing. And so here we sit with some pretty concrete information saying that APRs, you know, are widely accepted in that. You know what, and, and let's face it, if it's received by younger hunters, these are the hunters that are going to be buying tags for the next 30 years. Correct. You know, so why are we not trying to start tailoring our our regulations accordingly? And and listen, younger hunters are have never been so informed, and they don't want to be part of the problem. They want to be part of the solution. And you know these these younger the younger generation. I mean, I'm I'm even speaking of you. Um, you know, you guys are are very keyed into uh, habitat and to the conservation of our resource. You know, you just aren't out there banging away at any buck you see. Right. Um, you know, so not to mention uh, the internet's at everybody's fingertips. If you right, if you weren't yeah, there's, right, they're they're so informed today and. Uh, way more than we were, you know, when I was growing up. And 
So it's the it's the you know it's the it's the guys my age and older that that are you know that are are you know fighting this tooth and nail because right. they're you know they just they don't get it and so uh, they are coming around and there's a, you know we do have a good a good number of them within our group uh, but by and large about seventy percent of our 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 group of thirty uh, that's our membership is thirty thousand and uh, just over thirty thousand right now and growing daily. Wow. Um, you know, um, I would say probably 70% of them are in the 25 to 35 year age bracket. Oh, wow. I do, I, yeah, we've done a, we've done a survey on that. I, I don't know if it's what the exact number is, but it's in, in that realm. And, um, so there's been a lot of things that have transpired. Um, uh, I have been misled by the, the Michigan Department of Natural Resources, some of the leaders. Uh, we have been, we've actually lobbied for uh, one of them to resign or be removed, and we were told by the leaders in the department, the actual leaders, the two head guys in the Michigan Department of Natural Resources, that that person was no longer going to be relevant in the decision-making process. And, wow, I'll be darned, he actually is still involved heavily. And so... We were basically told that to shut us up for a while, and um, we've been we've been jerked around. We've been we've been um, told things that were not accurate, not true. Um, we've been promised things that didn't that never happened, and it's it's so frustrating that you have a group of people that want so badly to work with a department to help them. And to lobby or, you know, be a champion for them, but they refuse to give anything. They refuse to, to do any, you know, kind of quality deer management, uh, for our, for our herd. They, they, it's, it's, in, in, it is very apparent that there's a, a, a huge driver, uh, um, uh, within the structure of the leadership within the Natural Resource Commission, within the DNR, it's heavily tilted towards ag, the agriculture. And if anybody can't see it, they're blind. And we have commissioners that own 3,000-acre sugar beet farms. We have the, really? the head of – oh, yeah, the head of the Department of Natural Resources, the director, is an ag guy. Um, Mason? No, it's uh, Director Cray. Okay. There, there's um, two other uh, commissioners that have uh, that are heavily into agriculture uh, as well. Okay. And uh, one of them uh, has uh, a cattle farm, I believe, in Nevada, if I'm not mistaken, and and other agricultural interests in Michigan. And one of her one of her reason rationales when when she uh, declined doing antler point restrictions within the TB zone, even after it was recommended by the department, was she was wearing her farmer's hat that day. Oh, jeez. Right. Are you kidding me right now? You are a natural resources commissioner. Your only job is to watch out for our natural resources and its best interest. And you're going to tell me that you're putting your, your farmer's hat on? Are you freaking kidding me? So... This has been an ongoing, continuous battle, and now with CWD on the landscape, we've been put off even more. And we just were we, we were just notified of uh, the department's uh, 
potential proposed regulation package to help combat CWD, and it's not pretty. Well, before that, when CWD came out, you guys worked together with the department to come up with a to, to put a plan in place, a proposal that would yes. help would help uh, reduce the the herd size, the population, yep. um, etc. Trying to work with them again, right? Yes. Yeah. We we actually came up with a uh, the leaders of our you know of our group. We've actually um, we've got about 20, 20 people uh, that you know that we consider kind of our, our leadership group. Um, and that's you know from from several from the in Michigan deer hunters let them go let them grow. Um, there's some some QDMA members from chap you know state chapters uh, or from uh, uh, you know state branches. Um, kind of all working together. We've actually come together with uh, the one buck guys, which nobody ever thought that would happen, huh? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and um, not that we ever opposed one buck rule because we never opposed it, but it wouldn't do what was necessary to protect the yearling buck cohort in right. it by itself. So what we've done with uh, uh, Tony Smith, he's a he's a um, been around a long time, fighting this battle with us for a long time. Uh, uh, he came up with some ideas, and um, as a group, we all kind of vetted this this plan. Um, we've had the plan; uh, it has been accepted by um, and signed off on by three of our state legislatures: Kristen or uh, Tristan Cole, um, Scott Van Singel, and um, Kurt Vanderwall. And Kurt's actually running for a Senate seat now, and they've all signed off on this on this plan. We've got um, we've got four major uh, deer groups uh, in Michigan that have signed off on it: Michigan Deer Hunters, the QDMA, um, One Buck for Michigan, and um, a lot of different individual QDMA branches. Um, it's been vetted by some professionals. Dr. Kroll uh, has vetted it. Um, Kip Adams from QDMA has vetted it. Uh, Wayne Sitton uh, from the Turtle Lake Club um, up in the TB country has vetted it. Oh, yeah. And they've all signed off on it. And we've submitted it to the, to the department for consideration. And it's basically being used for toilet paper at the department right now. Wow. It's, it's, it's designed to enhance hunter experience with better trophy potential it's also designed to um, in, encourage antlerless harvest, which is badly needed. Yeah, and right, and 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 overall reduction of our herd size, you know, density, which which um, I've gotten a couple of different uh, pushbacks on, and which you know, one of the biologists in the department said, "Well, it's not it's not density driven. It's it's." Well, I'm sorry, but the new the new proposal that you guys are implementing is density uh, dependent. <laughs> so, if it's not density dependent, why are you uh, putting in place or recommending a proposal or uh, regulations to literally, in some cases, I mean, for all practical purposes, it, the way it looks, it's designed to eradicate deer. <laughs> Okay, you know, we're so talking. Before we're talking. we list that off, I've, mm-hmm. I've been following your group on Facebook for, I don't know, three years, mm-hmm. maybe longer. I'm not sure. So when Lincoln's talking about this stuff, it's not just like, 
him and a couple of guys got together and and met with the DNR. I mean, this has been an, an uphill battle for years. Yeah. Um, and now that we have CWD here, um, we're hoping that well, we know that there are going to need to be some drastic changes. Right. And, and, and we and I guess yes. we'll see what they are. What, what do you know? Well, we, we, we want to use antler point restrictions as a tool to help combat CWD. Yeah. Okay. So, in turn, we we understand that the overall density needs to be lowered, but at the same time, they have to give us something in return. Okay. You can't ask guys to hunt under, you know, very reduced deer densities without having some sort of carrot at the end of the stick, okay? Yeah. That that carrot being better trophy potential, okay? So what they want to do is they have, number one, which there's a couple of things that make sense, but I don't know how they're going to be implemented, but one is going to be a, a, a urine uh, deer lure ban on anything that isn't ATA certified, um, which I believe is illegal, you can't do that. You can't. It's either all synthetic has to be used, or excuse me, it's all or nothing. You either you either ban all natural lures, or you can't ban any of them because you can't tell a company that they have to be certified by this group, this ATA. What is it? American Archers or uh, the Archery Trade Association? Yes, Archery Trade Association. Okay. You can't tell a company that they have to be registered by, by a group. To be able to sell their product within the state of Michigan, right. I, I, that's, I don't think that's legal. Yeah, it sounds illegal. Yep. Okay. So, so number one, you can't do that. So it's either going to be all or nothing. And so I don't know how they're going to weed through that. But and I, and if that's if they say that CWD can be transmitted through urine, then and there's no way to test a live deer, then that makes that does make sense to me. Um, but you can't tell a company that they have to. You, you just can't do that. So. I don't know how they're going to weed through that. So that's one. Number two, they're going to bait, ba- uh, ban baiting uh, through the entire lower peninsula, um, which, again, if, if that's what biologists say uh, is a huge contributing factor to the spread of disease, then, then I will support that. However, the last time that they did a full-on baiting ban uh, in 2008 when CWD was discovered in Michigan, um, nobody missed a beat. Okay, it was a hundred fifty dollar fine slap on the wrist. That the the, the uh, wardens weren't enforcing it. Um, nobody missed a beat. I sat at John's Market in Newago County and watched twenty five bags of sugar beets go out the door in fifteen minutes during muzzleloading season. Oh, for sure, for sure. So you know you can't ban something and expect one group of individuals that want to obey by the law to stare at trees while his neighbor is throwing out you know. Great big piles of sugar beets. It's, it doesn't work. So if they're going to ban baiting, then they need to make a, a, a penalty that hurts, um, not a slap on the wrist. I'm talking like a $2,500 fine and the year loss of hunting privileges for a year or something. I'd say that would do um, it, yeah. Right. You know, and, and you know what? If, if a prosecutor isn't going to prosecute, that's fine, but don't make it make it so it's not worth the risk. True. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like, okay, so Illinois, if you get caught baiting, that's a $10,000 fine. Is it really? Yes, it is. Wow, I didn't know that. Never hunted there, but I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, the odds of you actually getting prosecuted for $10,000 is probably not very good, but it's not worth the risk. Yeah, but you could be. Exactly. Right, you might end up paying 2500 bucks or 2000 or 5000 or whatever, but so so guys don't do it because it's not worth the risk. Makes and sense. right, so if they're going to uh, ban baiting, then they need to to make a, a a a stiff penalty so guys won't do it, okay? Um so that's that and then they they've they've expanded the the surveillance zone to 13 counties. Um the um, and I and I don't have those counties at my fingertips, but it's right smack out of the heart of Michigan. There's 13 counties that are included in it. And then within those 13 is what what they call the core area, the, the core. core. Yeah, the core counties, and there's five counties included in that. And so uh, my county, Nuego, which our property resides in, is one of those counties. Um, but yet, not one not one single CWD positive deer has been found in Nuevo County. Oh, so, man. so you tell me, I, I that seems a little a little fishy to me. <laughs> so, uh, whether it is or not, I don't know. But it's hard to swallow when not one single CWD deer has been found. I can understand it being in the surveillance zone. I mean, I get that. But to put it right in the heart of the core, I don't. Oh, I it's don't. in the core. Yeah. Uh, Not one single CWD deer has been found in in the in the county of, Mich- of uh, Nuevo. So yeah, they're all in like Kent County, right? Like Kent, yeah, Kent County, Costa, Macomb. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so you know, there's some there's some counties touching Nuevo, but not not one single deer has been found within the county of Nuevo. So, oh man, that's just shit luck right there. Right. So they want to have a they're going to be there's going to be unlimited dopamines available at a reduced cost there's going to be a uh, a gun hunt in uh, there's going to be an early doe hunt in September there's going to be another gun hunt in uh, from October 11th through the 14th within the within the surveillance uh, within the core see so, yeah, a gun season right during bow season oh my gosh Yep, with unlimited doe tags, and then to add, you have to you have to use your doe tags by November fourth, so it won't be you know full on during the rifle season. However, you can use either one of your combination licenses for a doe for any season, any tag, or any weapon. And then within those thirteen counties, the muzzle loading season is now going to be a full on gun season. So rifle season will go from yep. November fifteenth till till the close of of, of traditional archer uh, muzzle loading season, which is what I believe ten days. Uh, so yeah. basically, yeah, so basically like from from November fifteenth until approximately December fifteenth, I'll be able to take my three hundred short mag out with me. Oh my gosh. I won't. I won't. But I could. Yeah, but most <laughs> if, people will. You know right. I mean? If these if these if these are passed, yeah, uh, you know it'll be it won't be a muzzleloader season anymore on our property. It'll be a freaking full on rifle season. Yet. I mean, come on. I mean, I'm all for reducing our deer herd because we have to. I mean, that's that's let's face it. We hey, we have to lower our densities. But are we just going to annihilate the freaking deer? And then and then ask guys how. How do they how do they plan on keeping guys hunting in those counties once they kill all the deer? I mean, you know, once 
once they lower the deer herd to, to the to the point where guys are seeing one or two deer sit, nobody's going to hunt in those counties anymore. No. And, then the, and then you know what's going to happen. The population going to blow right back up, and then, you know. You're back to square um, one, yeah. Right, you're back to square one. So it's just why not manage to <laughs> Why not manage for some sort of regularity in keeping hunters happy and engaged at the same time lowering densities? Which, to your point, was proven with the Northwest 13. Is that correct? Yes, it is. And, and of course, uh, they are backtracking now on their own data and saying that's not the case anymore. So. So what we're talking about there is that that zone that the northwest 13 counties in Michigan that have had the antler point restriction in place, guys are killing great bucks, killing more does. Um, hunter uh, participation is <laughs> through the roof. They're and saying it's, now they're saying it's not. It's not. Oh they're saying gosh. it's not significant enough to 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 warrant making a change statewide. Well, I'm here to tell you, I'm a deer hunter. I talk to thousands of deer hunters. Every freaking year, yep. and the guys up there are happy. They're engaged, and a lot of the doe harvest goes back to their quotas that the freaking NRC sets. Okay, so if they wanted more doe harvest, they should have freaking put more antler point rest- or uh, uh, doe tags, made more doe tags available. I, dude, last year in Nuevo County, I did not draw a doe tag. I had to draw for a doe tag. I didn't get one. I'm the leader of a group. I'm the president of a group of 30,000 members, and the DNR is screaming at us to shoot more does, and I don't get a doe tag, and i got to put a freaking dual-perimeter electric fence around my my crops to keep the deer off it so they grow. Oh, man. And I said to, to Mr. Mason, I said, are you going to send me a doe tag? Because I didn't get one. And you're screaming at us to shoot more does, and here I sit, I don't have one. I mean, yeah. how, what sense does that make? It makes no sense. So now they're going to go to the other extreme and give, give give everybody 10 or more, however many they want. Well, how how did that work out in the tuberculosis zone? I hunt up there in the TB zone. Um, I know doe tags, uh, I think like 12 well, bucks maybe or 10 bucks. They're, they're reduced, yeah. and I'm pretty sure you can keep buying them. I, uh, yep. How did that control well, the the deer numbers? Because I've well, seen more deer hunting up there than yep. than uh, over in Nuego County. We They're just, all does I see. I don't see a ton of big bucks up there or bucks right. period, but I see a ton of does. Well, they they had hunter's choice, and which was helping the the you know the trophy potential because yes, a guy. I mean, it was definitely helping. There's no question, um, but initially. When they when they found TB twenty some years ago, they just went on an absolute rampage, killed all kinds of freaking deer, and all of a sudden the hunters decided they were like, "Oh man, this is cool. We can shoot all these deer." All of a sudden they realized, "Well, crap! Now there aren't any deer, so now they're refusing to shoot those up there." Oh jeez! And so it's having a reverse effect. And I keep telling the department, "This is what's going to happen." These guys on the wall, yeah. Right. You are either going to, one of two things is going to happen. If you go unlimited like this, guys are going to say, and I tell you what, I will never shoot another doe in New York County again if they implement these, these, these changes. Because you know what my mindset is? Everybody around me is killing all the deer, so I'm not going to shoot one. Correct. And that's going to be happening. And guys are going to be have that same thought process because you know why I know? Because I'm a hunter. 
and I know how hunters think, and that's how hunters think. So if I think everybody around me is killing the does, I'm not going to shoot one. Whereas if I think we're managing the properties for quality and at the same time lowering herd, you know, herd uh, density, then I'm going to be more in tuned in playing the cards in, 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 in helping the DNR say, listen, we're going to champion for you guys. We're going to, because, you know, you're giving us this. We've got 30,000 members that if every single person in our group touched five people outside of our group, that's a huge breach. And we can be champions for you and say, listen, we need to shoot more does. We need to bring it so that our state is now harvesting more does than we are bucks. We have to do this. But instead, here we are. Here we are. And we're, what we're, would the only other reason be? Um, who, who would this benefit, who, these new regulations? So you're, you're saying ag. Break that down for me, how exactly... Um, well, as far as I'm concerned, the ag would be, the ag wants deers dead. No matter what, ag insurance companies, they, is, are insurance they, companies they want, an issue or no? No, I'm not, not so much insurance companies because insurance companies, uh, you know, yeah, they, they're paying they're paying out claims, but they just adjust people's rates accordingly. Uh, okay. I was wondering so about that. Okay. I, I don't, it, it's not, I've never seen an insurance agent or an insurance rep. At an NRC meeting, ever. Okay. I've seen lots of Farm Bureau uh, officials there, and we have two Farm Bureau, ex Farm Bureau officials on our Natural Resource Commission. So, yeah. Um, so, they, if if Farm Bureau had a half of a brain, they'd listen to the, to the proposal that we're putting forth and saying we're 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 publicly saying we need to reduce deer numbers. They should be going, cool. <laughs> These guys get it, right? You know, we're going to reduce herd our overall density. We're going to, we're going to, we are going to pass some bucks up because you know these guys want to shoot better quality animals. So everybody wins. We got happy, engaged hunters. We have lower densities. Everybody wins. Listen, the Northwest Twelve has now been made permanent. Okay, seventy-seven percent of the hunters that were surveyed in the Northwest Twelve counties. Approved extending that, making it permanent. And you it can't is, get it is set in stone now. It is permanent. Man. Now they can take it away if they get the CWD or something like that. If somebody gets a wild hair, so. Gotcha. Um, however, you can't get seventy-seven percent of a populace of hunters to to agree that deer are brown, let alone on a regulation. True. Very so, true. <laughs> it is. It's very, it's very true. So you you have seventy seven percent of the guys said yes. This is a good thing. We want to keep doing this. Ooh, that should be all they need to know. That should be the only thing that they look at and go, man, this is ultra popular. We're going to do this. These guys love it. And and then they can adjust doe quotas accordingly. Yeah, per county, you know, per in. Right, no, and the, the minute you, you the minute you take a guy's ability to shoot a yearling buck off the table, he's going to shoot a doe. I guarantee it. And what happened? And then I got my hand slapped for quoting this this data. But what happened in the current CWD zone when they lifted all the point restrictions off the off the tags? The doe harvest went down because guys could shoot. All of a sudden, the guys could shoot two small bucks. Gotcha. Gotcha. I see what you're saying. So, right. Because so they're, they're not shooting the tag off, 
you could shoot two of whatever buck or, or deer, I guess, you want in that right. disease zone. They picked the small bucks over the doe. Yep. Yep. And then I got my hand slapped because they were saying, well, the, the, the disease permits weren't included in that. Oh, okay. Well, take the disease permits out of it. It still had an opposite effect of what you wanted, and you right. don't you don't control doe you don't control herd numbers by shooting bucks. Right. You control herd numbers by shooting does. Yeah. So, um, and what why about any hunters that are in that zone, the like Meridian Township area where this all kind of started? Have you talked to any of the people there who who hunt there? Are they even seeing any deer, or what's the thought on? Where this has already gone down, where they've already went in and massacred. Well, I don't, I don't think that. Uh, to be quite, to be quite honest, I, I don't. From what I'm hearing, um, guys are not slaughtering. You know, they're, they're, they're kind of doing what, what we're, you know, what I'm thinking they're going to do. I don't think that they're absolutely stomping the deer herd down there. Now they do have sharpshooters going into shooting deer. Yeah. Um, but they can't possibly. I I sat the, in my last meeting with the department. I sat right there and I said, "You cannot sharpshoot your way out of this mess. You can't do it. It costs you nine hundred bucks a deer to shoot a freaking doe." Does it really? Oh my god. Yes, nine hundred dollars per deer to shoot. I to have the a wrong business. You dang right. So, yeah, I should be shooting deer instead of selling Packer Maxes. So, <laughs> um, so. Why not let the hunters do it for you? Why not encourage the hunters to help you with this? 100%. Why not Why not manage the herd for quality? And let me tell you something, Jared, if it's good for within the CWD zone, it should be good for the whole state. Does that make sense to you? If, if, if a regulation makes sense in the CWD zone, we should be doing it in the entire state because we want to lower populations within the entire state so that we don't have it spread to other areas. Yep, we don't want a CWD statewide. Right. So, so the other thing that they're saying now is you have you can't. It's not. It's not dependent on population. You have to shoot the right deer. Okay. Well, that that I I I understand that. But as a whole, you can't tell me that lowering the overall density of our herd isn't going to help control this disease. And 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 if if they're saying you have to shoot the right deer, then why are they going on a massacre campaign? Right. right. <laughs> so they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. Oh, man. It's it's completely it's completely lunacy that they that, that that they would even think this in their brains and go, yeah, this is going to really go over good. These hunters are going to buy right into this, and they're going to, you know, it's not going to happen. Okay, so let's be clear. This is just a proposal. Is that correct? This is this is what and and they these are not set in stone. They can be changed. But I had an hour long conversation with Chad Stewart the other night. And we got absolutely nowhere. Yeah, I I practically begged him to try this. I said, do a do a pilot program on our proposal for three years. Give it a chance. Yeah, there's not enough data that you know, there's not enough data that's pointing to the you know if this would work. What what do you need? What else do you need to know? You you have hunters begging you for this, and if you don't. If you don't keep our hunters happy, they're not going to do what you want them to do. Right. They're not. But he, he's not so, the decision maker, obviously, but he could definitely no, but he, help. And right. Right. He push. could. He could definitely, definitely bring you know bring something forth, and you know, uh, in in 
see, you know, um, kind of champion for, for yeah. you know, for this. If he came forward and said, I really think this is going to work. I, but there, they, we got, I got nowhere and it's not in, in, like you said, I, ultimately it's not, I think there's, I think there's strings being pulled. I think he's in job preservation mode right. and he's going to do what the higher ups are going to tell him to do. So, okay. Well, but so we, we, there is the, we're not out of the woods. This is not set in stone, but it certainly appears as if that's the direction they're going to go. Right, and when they usually get an idea or a proposal together like this, it's it's yep. uh, usually headed in that direction. Yeah, and and, and, uh, and according to information that I've received, the department uh, and the NRC are aligned on this. So, wow, man, that is tough to hear. Yep. So, um, our next our next course of action. Yeah, in, that's my next question. As of you know, June. We're starting. What do we do? We're 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 working with uh, several different legislatures. Um, we are going to be uh, there's our there's several uh, commissioners that are up for reappointment this in December, and we are going to be we are going to be campaigning against that. Uh, we want new commissioners. We're going to be there's a new governor that's going to be elected this year, and we are going to be knocking on his door uh, in. We're going to get behind a governor that will uh, help support our cause. Um, there's a really good chance that that's going to be Bill Schuette. We have met with his top aides already. Oh, wow. And uh, sat right down in the attorney general's office with them and uh, laid out our, you know, our, our bitches and our, and our proposal to them. And they one of the one of the one of the aides doesn't know anything about deer hunting, and she looks at our proposal and looks at our ideas, and she goes, "This makes perfect sense." <laughs> why, oh, are not, why are they not? Why are they not doing this? And because there are hands in the pot somewhere else, or right. something. That's I a mean. really good question. Yeah. Wow. So it, it, that was telling to me that somebody that has no. No skin in the game whatsoever can right. look at our our what we're proposing what we're putting forth and go, man, this is a good this. Why are why are we not doing this? <laughs> so, um, so that's our next. We're gonna we're gonna start. Uh, Tristan Cole has been on our side from day one. He's been a champion for us and for our group and for moving forward with us. And he is going to. Uh, I believe he met with the department yesterday. And uh, we're going to formulate a game plan moving forward. Uh, whether I got to get in front of the House and testify, and you know the House of Representatives to them, and um, try to get more support there, or whatever we got to do. But we're going to we're going to blow the doors off of it. Well, that's we're going to get great. we're going to do more of these. We're going to get uh, we've I've gotten in contact with somebody's gotten me in contact with uh, uh, somebody from the Detroit Free Press. They want to do a story. Um, no holds barred, man. We're gonna we're yeah, gonna we're gonna so hard because it's 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 we're talking about we're not talking about just something we love to do. We're talking about people's livelihoods, and we're talking about um, a lot of different. You know, there's there's billions of dollars generated from deer hunting through through you know in the state, and it. it 
it just it it could be so good, Jared. It could be so good, and it's just not. It's it's not that it's terrible deer hunting in Michigan, but when you go out of state, I've hunted in Illinois. Uh, I have a lease in Illinois, and you tell me how sad that is when when your your family owns 160 acres in New Iowa County that you could manage how you see fit, and I have to go lease property in Illinois for better trophy potential, and I'm also going back to Saskatchewan again this year. Yeah, I I get it. Killed you know last year in in Saskatchewan. Um, Killed the biggest buck of my life, a 300-pound whitetail, scored 147 and one-eighth inches. And I tell people about that buck all the time. And guess what I don't tell people? I don't tell people that I sat in the blind for 36 hours and only saw eight deer. Yeah. Jeez. I'm totally fine with that. I, I saw eight deer, and but I killed the biggest buck of my life. And that's the kind of the thought process that we need to move to. We need to, to have lower densities with better quality animals on the landscape with happier, engaged hunters. Oh, yeah. So. I mean, Ohio is a perfect example. We don't see yep. very many deer when we go down there, but when we do, they are nice deer. Yep. Yeah. Yep, wow. Exactly. So so this proposal, real, real quick, uh, the proposal would be for uh, one buck in Michigan or one buck in the southern, southern Michigan, zone three, uh, you still buy a combination license, but you, your tag would be good for one buck with four points on one side and a doe. Okay? And then in zone two, it would be mirrored for the northwest 12. It would be um, three points on the side for your first tag, four points on the side for your second tag. And then you could shoot a doe with either of those tags. And then in the TD zone, it would be the one buck option with three points on one side. And then your other tag is good for a doe. So within this, within the, within this, you know, the, the, the entire lower, the reason we've implemented or we've included the entire lower peninsula in the one buck and one doe is because the entire lower, that's where 90% of the popu- the big population problems are. Yeah. And so, and it can withstand, you know, a pretty aggressive doe harvest. Um, Plus, a lot of the guys so, don't even shoot two bucks, right? So, how many guys? Right. Only four percent of hunters shoot for a second buck. Right. So, you know, so, it can increase that antlerless harvest, drive the the herd right. size down, and control some right. disease. I mean, right. <laughs> it makes right. Sense. It does, and 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 in, and in turn, you're going to have happier engaged hunters. So, um, right. So it's 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 something that we believe in heavily. We've been fighting for it for a long time, and we have hit a roadblock on every freaking road that we've taken. And we've been we've been we've been put off. We've been kicked to the side. We've been lied to. We've been cheated. We've been everything. And here we sit. And the the green giant I call them is is running the show. And they don't give a they seemingly don't give a crap what actual. Michigan deer hunters want that are actually paying their wage. Right. They don't care. You know that that Michigan deer hunters, deer hunters alone fund 60% of the annual budget of the DNR. Really? Just deer hunters. 60%. That's a big uh, group to be making mad. Yep, to be pissing off. You're yeah. right. Excuse the language. But no, you're fine. That's... Well, so, okay, so 
so that's where we're at. Next move is we're going to start, you know, we're going to start lobbying uh, legislatures, and we're going to look at possibly getting an amend to Proposal G. We're looking at uh, getting our next governor in line with us and uh, appointing uh, appropriate uh, natural resource commissioners uh, that actually, like, like actual deer managers, like professional deer managers, like Wayne Sitton nice. from the from the from the Turtle Lake Club. Yeah. Why not have a professional deer manager that's been doing it for, for 40, his whole life, 40 years, that uh, and has already worked with the department on these necropsies and everything else? Wouldn't that make perfect sense to have him as a natural resource commissioner? You would think, but we don't run you the know? show. So. Right. So, so we're going to lobby for a governor, and we're going to say, listen, um, you, you, give us, you know, you give us what we're looking for, and we will back you. We'll do everything we can do to get you elected, and we have thirty thousand people that could that, that could that could sway an election in Michigan, especially in a primary. Oh yeah. So now, did you ever think you'd be so um, in depth into the politics side of this? Not in a million years. <laughs> I'm just, you know what? I'm just a dude from from Hudsonville, Michigan. I live in Allendale now, but I'm just a guy from Hudsonville that wanted better deer hunting. Yep. You know, and 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 well to, to to think that uh, not just for me either. You know what? For my kids, and my grandkids, and your kids, and your future grandkids, and you know, I'd like to kill a few more nice bucks in Michigan, no question. But I'm not doing this, uh, you know, for myself. I'm not. You know what? I could have taken a deal and and possibly got New Angle County included in the APRs. And I didn't take that deal. <laughs> wow! I wanted it. That's for the entire about state. Roan right there. You know, um, and 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 here we are. So, <laughs> uh, well, how been can, a frustrating run. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's why I mentioned earlier. You've been doing this for a few years now. Um, yep. How can anybody help you? help the group, help the movement if they wanted to? Well, you can join our page, our group, number one. Um, it's Michigan Deer Hunters, Let Them Go and Let Them Grow. Um, we're on Facebook. Join the group. Um, you can, numbers, we, we need numbers. We need numbers badly. Um, we have 30,000 plus people, and if we can grow that to 50 or 60,000 in short order, we'd be, we'd be sitting golden. And, uh, we need people to reach out to their legislatures, to their state representatives, to their congressmen, uh, to the governor. We need people to reach out to the natural resource commissioners and call them. Call them. Have a conversation with them. Invite them out for breakfast. Buy them a cup of coffee. Um, tell them your story. Tell them why you're so dissatisfied with Michigan deer hunting. And, um, I mean, it's 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 just so important to, to to reach out to those that are you know that are making the decisions, and I think as far as moving forward, that's probably the immediate future. That's probably our biggest uh, our biggest thing is to to get in contact with those people. Okay, so. that's great. So guys, that is on Facebook, um, Michigan Deer Hunters. Let them go and let them grow. You can't miss the group with thirty thousand people. Um, yep. And Lincoln, cool. anything else you want to talk about on this matter? Um, I think we're, I think we're, I think we covered it. Um, you know, it's it's something that we believe in. It's something that we have we have solid data that 
that proves that this is working and it's working well. We have happy hunters. We have hunters that have uh, 76% of the, of the hunters that were surveyed were in support of extending uh, this and making it permanent. We know they work, and we have we we all the data that we share, Jared, is all comes directly from the Department oh, of Natural man. Resources. It's not data that we're that we're putting together. It's it's their own data. Every piece of data that we share comes from them, and yet they're not listening to it. Something's not up. Right, yeah. and they're they're discounting it, and they're discrediting it. It's like it's your own data, right? <laughs> you know, okay. So, well, like you said, there's a bigger dog uh, wagging right. the tail, right? And you know, and that's the, that's yeah, that's the thing is we, we you know why wouldn't you work with a with a with with multiple groups right. totaling you know somewhere around forty or fifty thousand members that are begging to work with you on this? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? <laughs> yep. You know. I mean, it's yeah, just, it just—it just makes no sense. You know, we can help them in so many areas. We could help with youth initiatives. We could help with hunter recruitment. We could help with, uh, you know, uh, inspiring or encouraging people to harvest does. And we could help with, you know, what the other big thing is: habitat improvements within the state. You know, we've got thousands of guys working on habitat that could that could reach out. We could do we could do field days. We can do all this great stuff. And yet here we are wasting all of our time and resources on trying to get antler point restrictions implemented. Very true. So, yeah, very true. I know. Uh, never yeah. before we had this a group this big of grassroots guys. We're not. This, this is grassroots. I'm as grassroots as you can get. And you know, never before in the, in the history of Michigan have we had this. And they're virtually turning their backs on us. So when so, do we know, uh, when are any more decisions being made? Is there a date in mind? Yes. Uh, June 14 uh, is a big day that the department is going to be submitting their proposed regulation package to the Natural Resource Commission on June 14 in Lansing. And we need people at that meeting, people that are supportive of the movement. We need to get people at that meeting. It's in Lansing. You can look it up, Natural Resource Commission meeting for June 14. Okay, get that's to that, great. Yeah. Get to that meeting. If you can get to that meeting, if we can get a couple hundred people there, um, not with pitchforks but with voices to be heard. <laughs> Pitchfork <laughs> optional. <laughs> right. You know, uh, you know and, and then sign up for three minutes. Sit down in front of them and tell them your story. Tell them why you want these APRs. Tell them from your heart. It doesn't even – you know what? doesn't have to be a, a perfect English paper written. It doesn't have to be spoken uh, fluently. Talk from your heart and tell them, tell them why you want this. And they, that, that speaks loud and clear versus a canned letter from somebody that, you know, that somebody just uh, signed. Okay. So, Great advice. Yep. So, anyway, I appreciate the opportunity, Jared. I really do. And I appreciate your support along the way. And getting to know you has been great. You're a great guy, and uh, and I just appreciate it. Oh man, that's uh, I really appreciate that. That was very nice of you. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, you're you're a great dude. I knew that when I met you. Uh, very you. glad to have you on. We're gonna have to have you on again. Uh, I'm sure later on. But the the podcast is just getting rolling. We've yep. had um, 
a great amount of feedback and downloads so far, so this is going to hit some listeners. And, uh, awesome. And, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, keep trying to help you, too, on the on the APR. I think APRs would be great for the state. Um, yeah, I, I do, too. I've been here my whole life, and it's really not much to, to brag about. And that's nope. No, and, then, and like you said, we, when you go out of state and you start hunting yeah. Iowa and yeah. Illinois, and you really realize very quickly um, that, you know, there's a huge difference. And, yep. um, you know, we, we do battle, you know, the, the actual number of hunters that we have, too. We have 600,000 deer hunters. So, um, you know, that is a that is a battle, and that's another reason why we have to have some, some restrictions in place. So, anyway. Well, Lincoln, thanks again. I know it's, you got it, uh, it's late, and I appreciate your time. I really, I really do, so. You got it, and uh, hopefully, you know, we do this again. Hopefully, I'll have some better news. Yeah, buddy. All right. All right, man. uh, You take it easy, and we'll talk soon. All right. Sounds good. All right. See you, Lincoln. All right. Yep. Bye. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. We really appreciate it. I know I say that all the time, but I am truly grateful. Um, If you want to hear more from us, go to our Facebook page, Habitat Podcast on Facebook. Uh, we're putting up some how-to videos, some instructional stuff, also maybe some um, different pictures or discussions on other people's plans or habitat plans and their projects. So that's always kind of fun. Um, so give us a like on there. If you want to hear more of our episodes, you can go to the Apple Podcasts app. I believe everybody who has an iPhone has that app on their phone already. You just got to search out Habitat Podcast and you'll see our logo. Um, You can also find our episodes listed at habitatpodcast.com. They're all up there as well. Uh, Stitcher Radio is another place, and um, there will be more to come after that. So thanks again, guys, for listening, and uh, we will talk to you next week. Over now. TV. Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primo's. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.